0: Welcome back to the VB Nation podcast Ultra Running Diary series. It's Chris and Nick here for part two as we share our journey from scaling from 10k fitness to 100k ultra. Hello, everyone. Hey, Nick. So in part two uh, today, we're going to be talking about the common mistakes for endurance runners. And I think it's fair to say that we've made quite a lot of these mistakes ourselves. But before we dive in, Nick, I wanted to start with a more general question just to get an update since since we last spoke. Um, So firstly... What do you actually think is the single hardest thing about endurance running?
1: I think for me, it's been the time commitment. When you look at the training plans, I think initially, certainly, it can be quite overwhelming to look at the the distances that you need to be running. And I have a busy job. I'm a teacher. I've got a young son, so I'm balancing the running with my family, with my job commitments. And it's just finding time to make all that work, really, um, particularly protecting time at the weekend to do those long runs. What about you, Chris? Similar problems or
0: something else for you? Similar problems. I, I would add to that for me, it's it's a managing your body, um, more of like a managing your body uh, yeah. routine that you need to take. And I, I've never been one to sort of look after my body that well, to be honest, but it, it is totally different. Um, and you, we'll talk about you know injuries and stuff uh, later on in this episode. But the... the impacts of long distance on your joints and bones is unlike anything I've ever ever experienced before particularly being a cyclist by by trade um so I mean do you do you feel the same as that
1: yeah completely um i I definitely experienced this when we were training for the Brighton Marathon I know we've referenced that that my body didn't hold up particularly well yeah so it's, it's really at the front and center of everything I'm doing in terms of my reading and my research for this ultra marathon i'm just so conscious that i need to to try and avoid injury because that is the the single biggest barrier i think to people completing ultra marathons is a, a breakdown along the way so yeah completely agree um and that's only going to be more relevant chris as we start running longer and longer
0: distances <laughs> it is yeah and um well how's your training going because since part 1 uh I've, we've taken slightly different turns and approaches have haven't we so you you've struck to uh, stuck to the original plan that we we spoke about in in part one so how's that going? Really well I have committed myself
1: entirely to diligently following the plan almost to the letter with some small variations because I think flexibility is absolutely critical but what I love about that is it's all kind of set out for me Um, I can see exactly what I need to do in any given week and it's been going really well actually and I know that we're going to speak about this uh, actually early on in this podcast but It's a very gentle escalation of difficulty and distance, which I think suits me perfectly because I feel like it's quite manageable at the moment. You, however, have gone completely rogue and done something that I wouldn't have advised doing. But Chris, what's been your strategy over the last week or so? Yeah,
0: well, I like to sort of chuck myself in at the deep end a little bit sometimes. And I won't lie, I was getting a little bit bored of the training plan. Um, I enjoy it you know it's very structured it fits in with with my life but it does get a bit boring sometimes so I thought I needed to spice things up a little bit and having spoken about it in part one of the series um, about you know pushing your boundaries and mixing things up in training to stay motivated I thought I might as well just go for a 10k uh, well week a week's worth 10k challenge um so I did a 10k a day for seven days straight and finished a couple of days ago which was comfortably the most miles i've ever run in a single week including the week i did the marathon so it was a lot more mileage than i'd ever done and i won't lie it was touch and go whoever i would complete it at one stage and i did say to you didn't i nick that i won't risk injuring myself if i get to a stage where i think i need to stop now i will but day four was really difficult my legs were absolutely killing me I, I really really didn't want to go for a run that day but day five six were much better again and I actually quite enjoyed the whole experience so I'm hoping that as we move now on to the bigger mileage and uh, we've both got in the plan a 14 mile run ahead um, that that will have really helped me one build endurance and strength and two get used to running on tired legs um but on top of that as well i also saw an osteopath um for the first time in in years to be fair like the last time i had some actual you know medical advice on on running was before we did the brighton marathon um and just just that really highlighted a few things um And I said it just there about looking after your body um, and the importance of recovery and again we'll we'll talk through this in a bit more detail shortly but yeah I, I think it's been quite a good week for me actually and I am a little bit worried that there might be a slight slump after putting in quite a big effort for the last seven days but Um, As I said, there is the 14 mile run coming at the weekend. So even if I do have sort of four or five days off, I should be fresh for that 14 mile run. So I'm intrigued to see how my my legs perform, to be honest. But you you were not advisory of that that approach, were you? (laughs) Well, given what
1: we're literally about to talk about now, um, it doesn't necessarily fit with the advice that you'd be given by a running coach. But look, you did it. And actually, fair play to you, Chris, because actually, I think that's going to stand you in good stead for what's to come. So as Chris has already said, you know, this episode is all about common things that go wrong during endurance run training and how to avoid them. And this is based on our experiences so far, but also the reading that we've been doing. As always, this podcast is primarily aimed at beginners, but we would like to think that there is something here for experienced runners too, especially if you are looking to make that transition from half or marathon distance to ultra marathon distance. And we're basically going to hit some of the really big errors that runners tend to make. And we include ourselves in this uh, very often. We learn from our own experiences. Um, And and Chris, you're going to get us started actually. Having just talked about doing (laughs) 43 miles, you might not be the right person to take this one, but what's our first big mistake?
0: Well, I I made this mistake in the Brighton Marathon. I I think I got away with it in in my little 10k challenge this time because I've done some of the foundational miles already. So I'm on the back of, you know, two big mile, mile months for me. Um, but scaling miles too quickly is a really common error that a lot of endurance runners make and I think um, it all, all that does is add stress and increases the chance, chances of injury so it really is important to build miles slowly and master each each uh, discipline so you know if you're not mastering 5k then don't move on to half marathon if you're not you know you go to 10k next before uh, trying to sort of block build on on your distances and and we both did this in the Brighton Marathon training where we probably didn't do enough training so we felt like we had to jump up five to ten miles at a time to get the bigger distance in and um I think particularly for ultra training everything we're reading and everything we're doing is based on splitting up the massive runs so if you don't feel like you're ready to run say 15 or 20 miles in, in one go then split it up over a weekend and do 10 miles on the Saturday 10 miles on the Sunday because that is just as beneficial when it comes to ultra training and it reduces the chances of that one massive run that then leaves you injured um and if you go two. Uh, too big too early you'll just end up burning yourself out and we've both made these mistakes in in the past um and i think when you're scaling mileage as well it's important to forget about pace and focus on form and technique so you you really are it's all about really reducing the risk of injury and building those foundational miles so i think as i said those 10ks that i did as well it's important to say that i ran them pretty slowly So none of them would have been a PB. I didn't try and run any of them hard. I did jeffing for a lot of them, which we spoke about in part one, where I introduced sort of one minute walking breaks for mini recoveries. And I didn't even look at my watch at all. I just worried about the distance.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, the, The best bit of advice I've got on this mistake is that magic number of 10%. So as a, you know, as a simple golden rule, I think, a lot of trainers will say, don't increase your weekly mileage by more than 10% on any given week. Um, and that then just it's that gradual building, isn't it? So I'm going to
0: take a, sorry, go on, Chris. I was going to say, yeah, that, that's a really good one. I mean, I did, obviously didn't stick by that this week, but in general, <laughs> I am 100% trying to stick within that 10% realm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll
1: take number two. So, so mistake number two really is losing training motivation. And look, let's, let's be honest here it is incredibly difficult to keep at a really positive high level with with this volume of training and i think i don't know about you chris but already i've had good weeks and i've had bad weeks weeks where i've really enjoyed the running and there have been weeks where it has been a real challenge to get myself out the door and i think that's very normal and i think to to do this program successfully you've got to have a few tricks up your sleeve for those bad weeks and those bad days where the running just doesn't feel great so i think number one is it's having that plan because then you've got that accountability and i have been i've printed it i've stuck it on the wall and i'm ticking off the runs as they go so i can constantly kind of have that point of reference for how i'm doing the temptation to skip runs is always going to be there and you know most of the training or most of the reading i've done actually suggests that if you want to do it because it's right for you on that day that's fine but then you've got to then obviously Uh, you know mitigate for that and it has an effect on the rest of the training plan so I think it's little strategies that make the running a bit more bearable whether that be listening to a podcast or an audio book Um, you know music is great although I did read something really interesting the other day suggesting that you want to listen to something that is interesting and engaging rather than something that simply blocks out the experience which I found it's quite a different way to kind of look at that side of things but I think thinking about what motivates you is it is it a situation where you treat yourself when you've completed your long run so there's always an incentive whatever works for you i think you've got to find that that motivation and look we are raising money for charity and that i think is the big driving factor for both of us isn't it and when you've got that money coming into the just giving account i think that for me you know not wanting to disappoint the people that have sponsored us and having that kind of support network behind us really really helps have you got anything that you want to share Chris that you just think in terms of motivation when you're not
0: feeling great that gets you out on the road I think you've touched on some really good points there and and we mentioned it in sort of like the getting started episode in, in part one but iron tight motivation and finding your why is so important when you sign up for anything marathon distance and beyond because it is such a big commitment that and it is such a long slog you know there are parts of our training plan in one or two months where i'm looking at that thinking how on earth are we going to do this so so i do think uh, you're completely right that the the motivation of like why you're doing it needs to be absolutely drilled into your brain and for me um i would also say there just um have a healthy relationship with running so running shouldn't be seen as a chore it should be, you know, it also shouldn't be seen as a way to just lose weight and look good. It needs to be healthy and you need to enjoy it because if you hate runs, then how are you going to handle it when, you know, you're three months into your run program and and you're massively scaling up the mileage? So whether that is um, running with a friend or, as Nick said, listening to a podcast, and I actually heard a great tip on another podcast um, last week, which was, podcasts are actually better to listen to running when um sorry instead of a song because songs change the pace of your running and you lose your natural rhythm so some songs obviously you run a little bit faster because they're faster paced some songs songs a little bit slower and apparently when you're listening to a person speak you relax more and get into a more natural rhythm which is quite an interesting point so yeah for me podcasts as well but that it's all part of um the learning experience and that's a massive reason why i did that 10k challenge because i felt that my motivation was slipping a little bit and i wanted to spark a bit of life back into it so i'll I'll go again with with a third mistake then um, and that's skipping your long runs and i've made this mistake many times before and Ultimately, the main point here is nothing else can compensate for missing long runs. So you can do as many 5Ks and 10Ks as you want, but at the end of the day, if you're going to do big miles, at some stage, you do need to do multiple big miles because your body just won't be ready for it. And it happens in the marathon. They always talk about the last 6.2 miles, where that that's the time where your body's just broken and it's survival. No matter how fast you go, no matter how far you've run before, and it 100% applies. You need to get your body in the best possible shape to deal with that, and particularly as you're going longer. So obviously, we're doing 100K. So no matter how many 10Ks I run, that isn't going to get me ready to run 100K. So I think having a having a plan of action makes the long runs a little bit easier. So preparing for them properly, you know, eating right, drinking right, getting a good night's sleep beforehand and fueling properly during the training run as well. Um, you know, you don't just have to have energy gels and fuel during the actual race, you should treat those training runs as races, ultimately, because they are long distances, some of them. Um, and being prepared like that will really help mentally as well, so you don't skip those long runs. And as I said in the in the last section about motivation as well, running with a friend. Um, is always a good one for me I, I much prefer running with with you nick uh particularly on the longer runs but also breaking the runs into manage, manageable sections such as five mile chunks um, and don't be afraid to walk as well at this stage of the training you shouldn't be pushing yourself too much out of your comfort zone so if you want to get good miles in don't be afraid to drop the pace off a little bit and just walk for 30 seconds or a minute at a time anything else to add there nick
1: big one for me is breaking the run into manageable sections for all my long runs i've been quartering the distance and i just kind of go out and and think that i'm just going to run that that distance and then you kind of reset and recalibrate and it is just really clever little psychological trick that changes my entire perception of the run and makes it feel much more manageable than if i just went out thinking right today i'm running 13 14 miles that that can be quite overwhelming actually so that's the big one that I've been using. Totally agree though, running with, with people is a big one. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, as the situation in, in England improves the, you know, greater opportunities for us to do that for sure. So the next one, mistake number four is not cross-training or to think that all of your training is going to be running. Now, let me be clear, running is obviously going to be a critical part of your training, but if you do too much of it, and you do much, much of it too quickly, as we've already said, you can end up getting injured, you can end up getting burnt out where your motivation just drifts away. So all of the training plans that I've looked at have a, an element of cross-training built into it for a multitude of reasons, psychological, um, physical. And it seems now that this is kind of, I don't know how you feel about this, Chris, but it seems to be something that is absolutely accepted as being quite central and integral to long distance running Mm. so if you're wondering what i mean by cross training i'm talking about other forms of activity and exercise aside from running it could be swimming cycling it could be using the elliptical trainer you know water running yoga pilates gym work the training plan i'm following there's a massive emphasis on resistance training and strength training particularly built around the core and the lower body and the philosophy behind that is that you will become physically stronger, you will have greater flexibility. All of those things will make you a better runner because you'll be able to hold your form better when you're really tired. And that, because that's when it all starts to go wrong, isn't it? When you're getting tired in that long run, your form starts to fall apart and that's where your core can really make a difference. So I think when you start an ultra marathon training plan, you have to have a plan for cross training to be built into it the other thing that i would say uh, from what i'm reading my understanding is that you shouldn't really be learning something new though as part of the cross training so if you are already a cyclist fantastic cycle if you already swim a lot brilliant but i think if you're trying to learn a new physical skill alongside doing the extra running that can put quite a lot of strain on the body. So for me, it is, and I'm going to be completely honest here. <laughs> I haven't done enough strength and core training at the moment. And I think that's because I actually find it less enjoyable than the running. I don't know about you, Chris, but the idea of strength training, I haven't got my head around it at the moment, but I am a really keen cyclist. So cycling for me is going to be one of my key strategies to mix up the training what about you what's
0: your plan for cross training well i actually couldn't believe just how much of an emphasis there is on on cross training and building strength because i do think it's one of those areas where a lot of runners just forget about it and you know your core and your hips and your quads and your thighs is basically that is what powers a runner so if you're running massive distances as you said, if if, if those start, start to deteriorate, your form just completely goes and that's how you end up injured. Um, so it's been really refreshing, I think, for me as well, just to take a step back and just realize that you don't actually have to run every single session. And I, like you, uh, cycling's probably the one for me, although I do do quite a lot of gym work, um, but core in particular is the ones that I really enjoy. So I do quite a lot of home workouts um, and work in the gym just to keep the core strong. But surprisingly, I actually did a test the other day, and this is a good one for anyone listening, but um, it's on calf strength. And it's just a really basic one to assess sort of how strong you are. And I've always associated myself with having good leg strength and core strength, you know, playing sport our entire lives but I couldn't believe it how weak my calves were. So it's just very simple one. Put your hand against the wall and lift one leg off the ground. And with your leg straight, um, do as many lift ups as you can to see how how many you can do, basically. And if it's under 40, you need to build your strength. And I have quite big calf muscles. You know, I've played football all my life. And I did 40, but was in agony and I couldn't believe it. I was like, I actually am really surprised here. And I did 40 on both legs, but it made me realize just how much things like squats and lunges are really important because I'm uh, getting a lot of the pain and aches from the long distance runs in my calves. So that would probably explain why, but I think that that leads on quite nicely to mistake number five, which is ignoring an injury. And I think in endurance running, There's a really fine balance between being injured and being tired and sore. And everyone needs to do this differently because there isn't sort of like a one size fits all approach because every body is different. But everyone needs to work out the difference between being tired and sore and actual pain because you do need to be able to run on tired legs. And of course, you're going to be sore at times but you can't ignore pain and th- there's a massive difference there but the, it's quite blurred I think in how you identify between the two and when you do think that you're injured rest may seem counterproductive because obviously you're then not running but trying to force running when you're in pain is likely to just make things worse uh, and take a longer time to get better essentially so I've I've tried to force through, through injuries before and all it meant was that I actually uh, I ran worse for like a shorter period of time uh, and then my actual layoff was just a lot longer whereas if I'd have just you know taken a step back properly recovered properly addressed the injury I would have been back on my feet and back in uh, optimal uh, performance levels much quicker um, whats your, what's your thoughts on injuries Nick
1: I think the hardest thing to do when you're training for any long distance running event is to step away from the training program because you've invested so much time in it. I think it's really, really hard to make a rational choice about that as a runner. And I'm just thinking about our cousin James at the moment, Chris, who is nursing an injury, has run through it. You know, it's so difficult to make that decision that actually I'm going to stand down for two weeks Yeah, um, because yeah. you feel like you can't recover from that. But actually, I think if you speak to any run training coach, there are strategies and ways to to sort of, recover from that and actually not let that put you too far off your schedule so uh, spot on that you can do far more damage by pushing it step away and then once you feel better you can compensate for that time you've missed so my next mistake and for for me I wanted to put this one in because this was the biggest shift for me from marathon distance running to ultra marathon the mistake is to set unrealistic goals and I think when you are running most runners are very time obsessed and this is something that you know it's it's Strava it's Garmin it's the watches isn't it everyone is constantly aware of their pace certainly when I was training for the marathon I was looking at my watch every couple of minutes when I was running I was obsessed with it I was looking at my watch when I wasn't running it just became second nature to me with ultramarathon running you have to think only about being an endurance runner and it's about longevity it's about finishing certainly for us because we are very much just want to get to the finish line don't we that's the goal yeah so I think what what I would advise is that you really don't worry about pace on any level it's about just enjoying the runs it's about setting the habits it's about making sure you do all the training runs not everyone's has to be on the clock I've started to actually cover up my watch you still need to wear i still need to wear it because I, I want to measure distance but what i'm not doing is obsessing about how quickly i'm running i'm running based on how my body feels so i think one of the most demotivating things that you can do when you're running is to set yourself a target that you can't meet so smart goals as with all things in life are really great you know specific measurable attainable that's the key relevant timely and that keeps you motivated and it doesn't cause you to feel like you're failing which i think is quite an easy thing to do sometimes when you're you're trying to run a really long way and what happens if you set yourself a goal that's too far out of reach you either won't fully commit to doing it or along the way i think you're going to realize you're not going to make it and then it becomes it becomes more of an issue than it does a motivational factor so that transition to the idea of just wanting to run for a long time has been, actually for me, actually, I'm going to be honest, it's quite refreshing to be, to be fair. I've just started to enjoy my runs and I just go out and I say, right, I'm going to run this distance today. And if it takes 30 minutes longer than it normally would, I'm all right with that because I've got my time on feet. So... That one was a really important one for me. How how do you find that one, Chris?
0: Yeah, it's 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 a it's a really good one, I think, because I've been very guilty of setting myself goals that may well be unrealistic, but also just are totally irrelevant to the to the end goal. And for endurance running, often you may have a, a time in mind for when you want to finish. But as you said, for for someone like us too, who just wants to get to the end of the hundred k, um time is actually irrelevant so then i was thinking why did i set myself you know a 10k pb time because doing a 10k pb is utter- utterly irrelevant to finishing an 100k ultra because i'm not i'm not running it like a race you know i'm running it it's, it's an endurance event for us so i also think you know just to carry on, like elaborate on what you said about the smart goals is they, they also need to be incredibly um you know, tailored to what your actual end goal is. So relevant is, you, you mentioned attainable as being a really important one. But for me, relevance as well is really important because I spent way too much time when we were doing marathon training obsessed with running half marathon PBs. And what that meant on race day when we did the marathon is we ran the first half of it quite quickly because i was always looking at my clock and worried about you know what time we were on and it also plays i think with with goals it plays into what we said before about having a healthy relationship with running you don't want to be always obsessed with a time or you know a, a certain mileage there does need to be an element of just enjoying it and i really like what you said about you know covering your watch up and i totally agree that i also feel very liberated now i don't really care about what time i'm running i'm just running because i know i need miles rather than uh, oh i need to run a 5k at this particular pace or like why is my average speed dropping and and all that sort of stuff so it's now a much more enjoyable experience for me and, and so, yeah and to be clear I, I still have quick runs but if i do it's because
1: i feel good yeah so you just kind of go with how you feel on on that run and sometimes i'll set out and I, you know you know when you're having a good day running you just think right i can push this Other days, it just doesn't feel great. And then you just settle into the rhythm of it. And that's also fine. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. Okay, so there's a few more mistakes we're going to run through. So mistake number seven is not starting your training early enough. And I think typical ultra-run training plans are slightly different to marathon plans. So marathon runners normally do like a 16 to 20-week training plan ultra running is longer than that so it's more likely to be 24 weeks or or more um, and ultimately you absolutely do not want to be playing catch up as you near the race day and if you've left the training too late it's really tempting to play catch up and bulk load the, in the final few weeks but that's when you should be tapering so there isn't really like an early, you can't start early enough in, in my view. And we've both done this before with uh, half marathon and marathon distance where we've kind of left it too late and ended up having to scale up those runs, which is what we spoke about in mistake number one, um, because we hadn't done enough miles in, in the early months. So we've started quite a long way out now. The The event we're doing is in, is in August. So we're still a good, you know, five months away from that. Um, And it is building those foundational foundational miles so you're ready to scale up properly. And you you have to trust the taper because I think a lot of people think that, oh, you know, last two or three weeks before the event, I should be running loads in those weeks. And what if I lose my fitness? But tapering is your chance to rest your body and mind and recover. So you start fresh on race day. So if you aren't prepared within two or three weeks, then you're not going to be ready. There's nothing you can do in that time that will get you ready for the race. So the key is start, start your training early and don't underestimate the early miles and just think, oh, there's only a 5k on my training plan today. So, you know, I can do that quite easily. So I just won't do it. But those miles are the ones that get you into a routine and build the foundational miles for you to do the bigger miles later on in the plan.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of overlap with some of our other mistakes here. So starting 24 weeks before the event is closely linked, isn't it, to not overwhelming yourself with mileage, which was our first mistake, because it's it gives you that time for a really gradual increase. So yeah, completely agree. This is something that needs to be done steadily, slowly, not rushed. So mistake number eight, I am going to talk a little bit about recovery and the the mistake of not recovering right. And two, two things really here. The first is that what I'm starting to understand is that when your run finishes, you essentially immediately start preparing for your next run. So I was very much a runner that would get into the house, and I would literally throw off my running shoes, I'd hit the couch, and i just lay there. And what I often found was that for the next two to three days, I would be completely stiff. That's obviously just really, really not sensible. Um, so there's a process. When the run finishes, particularly the long run, you eat something within 30, 40 minutes, you're looking for carbohydrates, um, you're looking for protein, a combination of carbohydrates and protein you warm down at the end of the run. So at the end of all of my runs now, I'm doing five minutes of initially just very, very, very slow jogging for like two minutes and then three minutes of walking. And then I do a stretch and I don't love doing that, to be honest, because I feel like when I've hit that mileage, I want to stop. But I'm finished. I'm done. I want to crack on with my day. But I'm going to be I'm going to I'm going to say this It is transforming the way I feel for the rest of that day and the next day as well. And what that means is that when my next run comes along, I just feel so much better and so much fresher. So getting that recovery right, I think is is really instrumental in avoiding those overuse injuries, making sure that you are ready to meet the requirements of your training plan. And the other aspect of recovery, I think, is enjoy the rest days. <laughs> it's quite easy, I think, when you're training for something like this to feel a bit guilty on a rest day. I don't know if you ever get this, Chris
0: i do yeah i do but and i i know that others like our cousin james also um struggle (laughs) i suppose when you get into quite a quite a good routine it's quite hard to just if you if your body's feeling good as well you can you can underestimate i think um because you think you can do more but in reality the rest period is still really beneficial even if your body feels strong
1: yeah, the rest day is as much a part of the training plan as the runs. Uh, my training plan has four days out of seven which are active. So one of them is a cross training day. There's three runs Now that's a training plan that's really been designed with working professionals in mind. The two, the two rest days, the three rest days, just absolutely essential in terms of just recovery, mentally being fresh for the runs, you know, enjoy them. It's there, they're there for a purpose. It's not being lazy. It's part of your training process. So yeah, make sure you give time priority to recovery.
0: Yeah, it's interesting actually that the osteopath that appointment that I had meant talked about recovery a lot. And I I said I'm notoriously bad at at recovering and I often forget to do it. And she actually said that if I'm gonna go for a 10 mile run or an hour run or something like that, take 10% off it and use that to rest because it's more beneficial for your body than doing the extra bit of distance. So if that means running nine and a half miles rather than 10 miles to allow myself, you know, time to actually do a recovery process, then that's better for me than actually doing the extra 0.5 miles. So I thought Mm. that was quite, quite interesting. And I'm definitely going to give myself, allocate more time towards Sort of recovery and rest definitely and then so mistake number nine is not fueling right and I mentioned it earlier about preparation you know treat your training runs like the actual race days because there's some big miles in there but it goes without saying that for long distance runs you need to keep hydrated and fueled and I think it's easy to just think um you know it's just it's just a training run so I'm not going to take any gels or any water or anything like that with me but you have to hydrate before you start during and then after as well, because feeling badly just leads to poor performance and health risks as well. You don't want to get dehydration. Um, and I picked up a really good tip actually a couple of weeks back, which is using your watch to to good use. Um, we all have data at the palm of our fingers now. so. Um, looking at your running splits and seeing if there's a trend in in your pace dropping off. So for me, that is around the 10K mark. So I know that when I hit 10K, that's generally where my mile splits start getting slower. um, And that's when I should fuel. So it's quite an interesting way of actually using the data that you've got and using your your, previous runs to work out when you actually need a little energy hit. So now I know that when I get to 9K, if I'm running longer than a 10K run, I need to have an energy gel at 9k to delay that drop in energy and uh, you know prolong my my ability to maintain the pace. So it's quite a nice little tip, I think, to actually look at your splits and tailor a, a fueling package. G, but I think not fueling right is a really common mistake that too many runners make, and I've done it before and ended up with a lot of cramps in my legs where i I wasn't hydrating enough and my fluid intake was quite poor particularly for ultra running as well when you generally have to carry a bag and water with you so for the race that we're doing we have to carry two liters of water with us from the very start so getting into those habits is a really good thing to do because um i've i've invested in a running bag and you know you do need to be able to fuel on the go as well so trial and error in your training run so you're not doing anything new on race day what's your thoughts on that nick
1: yeah incredibly important my tip here would be to combine your fueling during the run with your walking breaks Um, i find that really helps me just to kind of not rush it too much um and that just helps to kind of remind me as well that i need to take on a gel or i need to drink a little bit of water but there's no doubt i got this wrong in the brighton marathon and i think that's partially why i basically (laughs) had to walk the last six miles (laughs) uh lessons learned the hard way there so yeah completely agree with with the importance of feeling no no question about it
0: nice well there's our nine common mistakes during endurance training and, and how to avoid them so so nick i guess the only thing left to say is is what's next for us
1: big increase in mileage over the next few weeks so you know when we come back and speak again we will be right in the teeth of the training plan uh, the long runs are getting longer and you know really I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to it i feel like we've done a good job up to this point so difficult but it gets real now
0: Yeah, I I would say, I don't think our our cousin James would agree with this, but I would say we're in a reasonable position now to kick on. I think he would probably say that we've massively underrun still, even though I think we're both running probably more than we've ever done in our lives. But I personally feel in in a good place, like injury free, I feel strong. And I'm quite looking forward to it in a weird way. I am looking forward to it. And I think you're right. I think feeling like I'm
1: not injured is, is, the most encouraging thing at this point um long may that last and you know we've made plenty of the mistakes that we've discussed this evening but we're learning all the time aren't we so hopefully we'll take some of our own advice <laughs> forward over the next few weeks
0: yeah that's it well yeah on that note let's uh, let's wrap up but yeah on on to part three next time thanks for listening everyone thank you you've been listening to the vv nation podcast thank you so much for tuning in
1: if you like what you heard, don't forget to rate it, share it and subscribe and please stay fit
0: and active. And you can follow us on our social channels on Twitter at VVNationFit, Facebook at VVNation and Instagram at VV underscore Nation. Also check out our website, vvnation.co.uk for all of our podcast episodes. And don't be afraid to send us a message and get in touch. Thank you.